You're listening to the Sunday morning message from Clouds Creek Baptist Church. Join us for worship Sunday morning at 11. Or for more information, visit cloudscreek.org. Good morning. Uh, Last week, we kicked off our series called Establish. Uh, We are going to watch over the next few chapters. We're in the book of Exodus. Don't turn there. It's a little misleading. We'll we'll get to where we're going in a second. Um, But we're looking at God establish the law. God establish um, the people of Israel as his people. We're going to watch him establish the tabernacle. So that's kind of the theme we're going to be looking at over the next several chapters of the book of Exodus. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten an awful birthday present. Has anybody ever gotten like an awful or Christmas? Like you've ever gotten nobody? It's just me. Okay. A couple, a handful of people. Everyone else is just way more appreciative than I, than I am, I guess. Um, I don't want to give away any names, so I'm not going to say any names with this story. I've got family who listens online, and so I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. But for my 10th birthday, 10-year-old boy, right? You would think, like, that's easy. Like, you can get literally any action figure. Just, just a tip. Any 10-year-old boy, just buy him a toy. That's all you need. Like, just go there. I got for my 10th birthday, somebody gave me a rain poncho. A rain poncho. I'm a 10-year-old kid, and it didn't have anything on it. This is not like a rain poncho that had, like, the Ninja Turtles, like they didn't even try. Like it's just a red poncho. It wasn't even, my favorite color was orange. I had an orange painted room and it's a red poncho. Not even close to orange, not one of those. I mean, maybe in the right light. No, it was red, it's nothing. And so I opened it and I was like, okay. And then I thought, well, maybe at least I can take it back. It said Old Navy on it. And I was like, okay, can take it back to Old Navy. I took it to Old Navy and it was on clearance for a dollar and a half. <laughs> so... I don't know if you've ever gotten a gift that you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? I mean, obviously, I know how a rain poncho works. Like, don't be, that's not what I mean. I know what to do with that, right? Like, but like, it's not, it's like, thank you for this. I appreciate whatever little thought you put into it. You know, like, sometimes you don't know what to do with the gift, right? And I think sometimes that's how we look at the law in the Old Testament. We look at the law at the Old Testament like, Great, thank you so much, God, for this. It's not worth a whole lot at Old Navy? Okay, then I guess I'll just keep it. Thank you. And so we don't really know what to do with it, right? Like, it's just really confusing. It's like, what does this mean for us thousands of years after it was given? Like, how does this work in our lives? And that's what we're about to get to in Exodus. So before we get into that, I just want to talk about the law today. I want to talk about what it means, what the purpose of the law is in our lives as believers in the year 2021, right? We're still 2021. We haven't changed. Okay. You know, you know how it is. It's like, what year is it? I kind of feel like I'm in a time travel movie. What day is today? No, the year. Like, anyway, not the point. I'm sorry. Anyway, I want, to, I want us to look at what the law means for us living now in a world with phones and cars, and the internet, right? Like, what does that mean for us now? It's totally different. So before we just start getting into laws in Exodus, I wanted to take a Sunday and look at what the law means for us. So what is the purpose? What is the purpose of the law? 
I've got two things that I think we can kind of answer this with. Is the first thing is that the first part of the purpose of the law is to show us the character of God. To show us some about who God is. I mentioned last week that the Ten Commandments, like for some reason we prop those up as like the most important, but they're really not. Like there's so many more commandments that are equally as important, but there's laws about all kinds of things, right? Outside of the Ten Commandments, there's laws about all kinds of different parts of your life, and they can be summed up into three categories, more or less. The first is the standard of living, things that do this, you shouldn't do this, kind of as a, to be a, a you know, don't murder people, right? Like, this is like a standard for living. And then there are, um, like, the food and drink laws, or food and clothing laws that were for the people of Israel. And then, similarly, there are laws that are for the people of Israel, so they stand out compared to other nations, They're supposed to kind of stick out and be different. God is trying to call them, say, hey, I want you to look different than other nations for the purpose of you being able to tell them about me, to show me to other people. So the law even falls into all of these different categories. But the common theme is that it can show us the character of the lawgiver, that this is a God who cares about right and wrong. That he says don't murder because he doesn't, he, because he feels for the victims. He's not okay with people just doing wrong and getting away with it. This is a God of justice. This is a God who cares about people who are being wronged and wants there to be justice for those who are wronged. So there has to be justice. And this is a theme, the God of justice is a theme that is seen over and over through scripture. And the law shows us that the standard of who God is, that God has set this standard of like, if you want to be pleasing to me, this is what you have to do. To be pleasing on your own, you would have to keep 613 laws. And part of their purpose is to show you how high, how holy, how powerful, how perfect our God is. To say that this is the standard to even have any kind of relationship with this God. To have any kind of be close to him, you would have to do all of these things. So not only does he show us that's his standard, but even how much higher he is than that standard. The standard from holiness is completely unattainable by human standards. And that's part of it, is to say God is so holy and so much higher than we are that we cannot even come close to show us the character of the law giver. And that brings us to the second point, which is part of the purpose of the law is to show us our inadequacy. It shows us that we are not good enough. We should look at the law. Part of the purpose of the law is to look at it and be like, whoa, I cannot do all of those things. Cannot even remember all 613 of those things that I'm supposed to be doing. We are supposed to feel a little overwhelmed by the burden of the law is part of the purpose. It's part because we're not designed to hold, to uphold the law. That is not our purpose. The law was not designed for us to uphold it, and we were not designed to uphold the law. If you're following, if you are following with your in your Bibles, flip over to Galatians 3. That's where we're going to be kind of camping out today, is in Galatians 3, because Paul does a fantastic job of talking about the law here. And I was tempted to just be like, I'm just going to read this and then we'll go home. Like, it's just that good of how Paul talks about it. And he's very plain in his language, which I appreciate. And the people in Galatians, we're in Galatians chapter 3. 
People in Galatia were being taught by false teachers that they needed to uphold Jewish law if they wanted to call themselves Christians. Then in order to be a follower of God, you had to also become a Jew. So Paul talks a lot in this chapter about uh, the circumcised versus the uncircumcised. And there were teachers who were going around saying, if you want to be a believer, you need to be circumcised. That this is part of it. you got to step into all of the Jewish law. And Paul is writing to say that is not the case at all. And he talks about the purpose of the law. So we're going to pick up in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. What he means there is that he feels like his preaching of the gospel was so vivid of who Jesus was that it's like you should be able to say you almost saw it happen, right? So continuing in verse 2, it says, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. I love Paul's words here in Galatians Because he isn't putting things into super difficult spiritually terms. Like all of this is very plain language. It's some of the more plain language you can hear Paul speak with. Is it's not all of these like crazy analogies and like uh, really big words and things that it's like, well, what does that word mean? Right? Like it's very plain language. And I'm a very logical person. I like things to just make sense. Be like, yes, this all makes sense. I'm tracking with you. So I appreciate that, that he is saying this this way, that false teachers are preaching you need to follow the law in order to be saved. And Paul just simply says, did you get the Holy Spirit from following the law? Is that where it came from? Well, then why would you count on the law to do anything that has to do with the Holy Spirit? Why would you, why would you think that the Holy Spirit now needs the law? Because you didn't get the Holy Spirit from the law. So why now do you need to step back into the law? I think his next point is a really big key, that we didn't get salvation through the law, and the law won't make us any more perfect. That's like a mind-blown thing for me. It's like, it's like, what? The law's not going to make me any more perfect. No, because you weren't saved by the law. The law wasn't enough. It's hearing through faith. If you couldn't be saved by the law, why would it make you any better? And then he brings up the point of Abraham. And I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, probably until just a couple of years ago, I've wondered a lot of how people in the Old Testament got saved. Like, what was their requirement, right? Like, they didn't, they weren't like, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus because he hadn't been born yet, right? They weren't like, Jesus is God's son. We're all sinners. He died for our sins. Now I get to go to heaven, that wasn't how it worked in the Old Testament. They had none of, those, none, of those, none of that information, right? And so then it was like, okay, well, did they get, was their way of salvation that they had to keep all of the laws? Was that it? Like, and I'm just really lucky that I wasn't born thousands of years ago that it's like, whew, I don't have to keep those 613 laws, so I get to into heaven easy, right? Like that's kind of how I've always felt. But he specifically addresses Abraham here. He addresses that Abraham just believed God. And that was counted to him as righteousness, which righteousness is a word for people who were upholding the law. So 
Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. And I think that's amazing. That's all. It's not the law. It's not that Abraham kept the law. If you look at Abraham in his life, he uh, lies about Sarah being his sister to spare her life because he doesn't trust that God is going to protect them. And then he has a baby with Hagar because he doesn't believe that God's actually going to give him and Sarah a baby. And so he even does these things that it's like, that's for sure not okay. Like you definitely shouldn't have done that. David, this is a guy who committed adultery and then has the husband killed so that he can get away with it. And he's called a man after God's own heart. It's not about David kept all the laws. Abraham kept all the laws. That's not the point. They were men who loved God, who had faith, who believed in God. And that is what is credited them as righteousness. That's it. And the same is true for us. That being a Christian is not about following a set of rules It's about believing in God, but we love our rules. We love structure. We want to know what should we do, what should we not do, and so we kind of have a tendency to step back under laws, to step back under and say, okay, no, but really, what are the things that I'm supposed to do and not do? Because we want structure. Paul continues in in chapter 3, verse 10. He says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be anyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. I'm going to skip down to verse 21. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise of by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith could, would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we may, might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, you are no longer under a guardian. For Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. When you look back at this, these verses that I just read, if you look at the, the words that Paul uses to describe the law, And the negative connotation that is with that, he says, under a curse, held captive, imprisoned. He's not saying, oh, it wasn't that bad for too long, right? He wasn't saying, it's not that big a deal. These are heavy words that he uses, under a curse, imprisoned, held captive. The law was not something that was meant to be held on to after Jesus came. That last bit that talks about that the law was our guardian until Christ came. If you want to see one of the sweetest moments hang in here for a minute after we're done and watch Zeke come in the room. Because Zeke will walk through that door. It doesn't matter where I'm standing. He'll find me and go, Daddy! And he runs to me, right? Because he wants to be with his father. He sprints to see me and show me whatever he made in the nursery, right? For us to step back into the law would be like Zeke saying, Dad, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. I think I'm going to just stay in the nursery, though. I really like what Miss Lorianne and, and Miss Lynn were doing, so I'm just going to stay over there. I'll see you later, right? 
Like, that sounds ridiculous. Like, no kid is just going to be like, all right, see you later. I'm going to just stay here. They love their parents. They want to be with their parents. And it, it, it sounds ridiculous. But that's kind of what we do when we try to step back under the law. As we say, I, I know, God, we've got like a great thing. You've got a house prepared for me, whatever. I really like it here in this temporary setup. I think this is where I'm going to stay. But Zeke, because he's my son, that's not something that was earned. This is not something that he doesn't have to make sure he's good in nursery if he wants to be my son. He's my son. That's it. He doesn't need to stay here and, and stay under the temporary in order to be my son. If one of the other kids in the nursery started to saying, you know, I need to be more like Zeke because I want Blake to be my dad. One, that's a little weird. But two, just because they act like Zeke doesn't make them my child, right? That sounds ridiculous. Just because another kid, and if another kid wanted me to be their dad, for them to just think, okay, well, then I'll just act like, like he wants to me to act, and then I will be his son. That's not how it works. When Libby is mean and slaps me in the face, which she does, she's cute, don't let her fool you. When she is mean and she slaps me in the face, she's no less than my daughter than when she's cuddled up laying on my shoulder. When Zeke is throwing a tantrum because its screen time is over and he has to stop with his screens, he is no less my son than when he is completely obedient and loving and fun and sweet. His ability to follow rules does not dictate how much my son or how much my daughter, my kids are. And if someone else wanted to be my kid, acting a certain way is not how that happens. When it comes to the sonship and daughterhood of God, the law is irrelevant. It's interesting that that sounds so shocking, but if I apply it to the lives of my kids, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. But we have a father that what he wants with us is a relationship. God doesn't need you to live up to a certain standard. He wants a relationship with you. I don't care if Zeke goes to be a professional athlete. That's fine. That's great. If he doesn't, I don't care. What I want is a relationship with him. I don't care if he becomes president or if he's poor. I'll let you figure out which one of those is worse. All I want is a relationship with him. I don't want a relationship with him where I just see him once every couple years. I don't want a relationship with him where I see him Christmas and Easter. I want a relationship with my son and that's far more important than what he does, right? Just wanted to be my son. That's what is important. The same thing is true of your heavenly father. He's not focused on your performance. He just wants a relationship with you. He just wants you. Paul picks back up talking about the law in Galatians chapter 5. I want to read verse 3 through 6. It says, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. 
For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. I love that phrase so much. Faith working through love. That should be the phrase that defines us as believers. Faith working through love. It's not about whether you watch R-rated movies or whether you listen to vulgar music or whether you believe in drinking or not or how you vote. None of that matters. It's about faith working through love. Do you have faith? And is it doing something, right? Like, it's not just having faith. It's having faith and that faith working to make you a more loving person. Does your faith in God drive you, like we talked about last week, to love God and love people? And then Paul adds that just because you're free doesn't mean that you should just go and sin all you want, right? Like he continues in in, uh, Galatians 5, verse 13, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is justified in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's a powerful sentence for you, believer, in this room. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law law. It's easy to judge people. It's easy for us to think less of people because they disagree with the things we hold closest. It's easy to judge someone by the political sign in their yard or the flag on their porch or the way someone dresses. It's easy for us to step in this role of of law and focus on that. Last night we were driving home and, uh, and Zeke is in the back and he got on to Libby for something is silly because he's a year and a half older than her, right? Like, that's not, you're not a parent. And I was trying to explain to him, it's like, bud, this is what's so cool about being a kid. You don't have to do that, right? Like, those of you who are parents, have parented young ones, it's not fun to get onto them, right? No one's like, yes, I really hope they misbehave today. Like, that would be great. Like, it's not fun. Nobody's like, I can't wait to discipline my children. If you are that way, we need to have a serious talk. That's not a good thing to think. So I'm trying to explain to him, buddy, this is what's so cool. You're the kid. You don't have the weight of, of paying for your house. You don't have to pay bills. You don't have to do any yard work. You don't have to take out the trash, do the dishes, fold the laundry. Lord be with those who do laundry. Whew, that is a long task. So he doesn't have to do all of this. But for some reason, he wants to take part of the job, Right? We do the same thing. Sometimes we want part of the job. Sometimes we're like, I think that you know, these people should be doing things better. I think I need to say something to this person because this is not how you should be living your life. But you're not the judge. And you're not the judge because you're not equipped for any other aspect of the job, much less ju- judge. But just like Zeke can't pay rent and Zeke can't, Zeke can't pay bills, you can't keep the world in motion. 
You can't give life. You can't create something out of nothing. You are not equipped. You are not qualified for any part of the position of God. Sorry if that's humbling to some of you this morning. So we're also not called to be law enforcement. We're not called to say, hey, look, this is what the law says, and you're not living up to the law. Because again, we're not even supposed to be under the law. We are under the Spirit. Led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. It's much more difficult to actually love the people who you disagree with. I don't mean love the people you agree with. That's super easy. Everybody does that. To actually serve people who in your flesh you would consider them terrible human beings. Because I can't believe that you think this. I can't believe that you live this way. I can't believe you do this thing. I can't believe you. I mean, you think about even like criminals. You think about I have to consider them more important than myself. That kind of love, right? That's what we're called to do. That's what, how we're called to live our lives. That's the part that takes the freedom away from the flesh. Because in the flesh, we can't do that. That is impossible. But in the spirit, if we lean into the spirit, if we are led by the spirit, that's when we can love the world. We're not stepping back into slavery of the flesh and the restrictions that it has. Over the next few weeks, we're going to spend time looking at the laws. I'm not saying all this and be like, oh, now we're going to skip all the laws and Exodus. We're going to look at them. We're going to look at their purpose. We're going to look at why they were said then, if it applies to us now, how we can take it into our lives, right? But I want to also point out that who was the law given to? Israel. The law was given to the people at Israel, in Israel. It was not given to you. As far as I know, nobody in this room is 100% Jewish in lineage, right? I wasn't asking, sorry, I don't really care for this moment. We'll talk about it later. That's cool if you are. Anyway, none of us are, were given the law. Because we are technically, by, by scripture definitions, we are Gentiles, non-Jews. And so we were not given the law. It was given to the people of Israel. We are Gentiles who are called God's children, not because of what we do, but because of what he has done for us. Because of faith. It was a free gift that was given to us and that we can give to others. We can share that with others and say, let me tell you about this free gift that has nothing to do with the law, but the one who fulfilled the law. And if we realize that it is by love we are saved, it is by our love that others will be saved. If we are legalistic, focused on the law and telling people these are the things you need to do, we are false teachers that Paul was preaching against here. Because no one has ever been saved from, through, by the law. The rules don't point people to Jesus. Love points people 
to Jesus. We are called to be love in a world that is desperate to be loved. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to shake off the law. God, that when we are are craving a list of how we can be the best Christians, when we are craving uh, uh, an order of this is how we need to live, this is what we are supposed to do, Father, help us to just look to you. God, help us to just again and again lean into your spirit. God, to lay our own lives down and allow your spirit to live through us and not try to figure out how we can do it on our own in our flesh because we will always fall short. God, thank you for mercy and grace that when we look at the law and say, there's no way that you say, I know. That's why I made a way. I thank you for the life that Jesus lived that not only did he live sinless and pay the price for our sins, but God, that when you look at us, you see the life of Jesus, that we get credit for how he lived. And so there's no point in us trying to fulfill, to stand up, to hold up, to be under the law because Jesus already did it. And we have the credit. Let us just live out the love that he gave us. God, help us to not be legalistic, but help us to be loving, to be love to those who are hardest for us to love and hard for the world to love. I pray that that's what we would see when we see the laws, that it would point to you and point to our ability and our our inadequacy and our need for you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.